travel along There's one day here and the next day gone Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand Sometimes you turn your back to the wind There's a world outside every darkened door Where blues won't haunt you anymore Where the brave are free and lovers are sore Come ride with me to the distant shore We won't hesitate to break down the garden gate There's not much time left today Catching the what? The big vibrating object? The vibrator? No, the laptop. That just happens to sound like it's mining Bitcoin. It just sounds like that. I I, I am convinced there's something wrong with it. this laptop. I checked. I'm so sure. I mean, it was refurbished. <laughs> yeah. Um, hello, everybody. And now, what a, blah, blah, Welcome blah. to Sexport Audio 140. <laughs> <laughs> We're vibing, Link. Wink, wink. Wink. Um, I'm Autumn. I'm Nora. Uh, I've been reading Homestuck. That's what I did with my morning. Why? Just want to. The the podcast, like, Homestuck Made This World uh, is a good podcast, and it's a good excuse to read Homestuck, but the reality is that I just wanted to read Homestuck. That's, like, what's really going on here. Night Vale wasn't enough for you. Yeah, I really needed to become 17 again. Uh, I guess for listeners who don't know, um, I, I probably read... Well, I know... I So I read through the start of Act 6. I got to the start of Act 6 and fell off because I felt annoyed at Hussey. Um, that would have been, ooh, 2013. It's only 20... become a more universal feeling over the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been 2013 or 2014, I think possibly 2015 but i think i was out by 2015 um so um yeah i reread act one this morning it sucks it sucks more than i remembered um but it's fine because i'm gonna get to act three one of these days and then i'll be like oh hell yeah homestuck's here i've only read act one um it's bad it's just bad but also you can't skip it because it matters that's the thing that that's the actual thing that sucks about Act One is that I would happily tell you just skip it like Problem Sleuth, but um, uh, Homestuck should be more like Ruby. How so? Good. <laughs> <laughs> it is like Ruby in one way. It is online. Disappointing. <laughs> um. What was I going to say? You were um, going to talk about Night Vale. You were going to talk about Alice Isn't Dead. Yeah. Um, I guess we You should... started listening to Night Vale, though. That's more cringy than listening to Alice Isn't Dead. No, listening to Alice Isn't Dead is way cringier. Uh, Night Vale... I don't know. Night, Night Vale is a warm blanket for me specifically. Ugh. That is the other, like, shit that I was up to when I was 17, is I was reading Homestuck up through Act 6, and I was listening to every episode of Night Vale multiple times. We talked about this on... It started because of Arcanum, because Mark started playing Fallen London, which I was also playing at this time, and reminds me of Night Vale, so I started listening to Night Vale, and, um... Um... It's just, it is just a warm blanket. I've heard, 
I'm through like episode like 26 or something. I've heard all of these episodes five, six times. I I really was listening to and re-listening to Night Vale constantly. I was trying other fiction podcasts. None of them were as good as Night Vale. I still stand by that. <laughs> um, I don't want to live in that world. <laughs> that's it. That's excluding actual plays. I didn't get into actual plays until around the time I was getting out of actual Night vale. plays are hard because it's like you want me to remember eight different characters. Fuck off. Yeah. So like I remember, I saw Night Vale live at the end of my freshman year of college. They just recite old episodes, or do they? No, they do. They do like spinoffs, basically. And it is much closer to, like, community theater, you know? The Alice Isn't Dead live episodes appear to just be performing fan-favorite episodes. Yeah, these are... It's a couple, maybe, bonus episodes that might have been live shows. I don't know. These I just are... skipped all that extra bullshit. Yeah. These are, like, one-off episodes that um, will... Uh, are often closer to theater and that they'll incorporate the audience in some ways. Like, I remember, I don't... I think maybe I saw the investigators live and there was like, um, um, you know, like there were like audience interaction components. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, but, um, that would have been 2015. And then I think I got like late or, or that would have been like the end of my first year of college. And then the start of my second year was when I was getting into counterweight. So those were the two, sort of two, like, ships passing in the night, I guess. Um, when I was 17, I didn't wasn't doing anything. I was still at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, I also wasn't doing anything. I was wasting four years of my life in college. And high school was also a wasted four years of my life, but in a different way. Um, I guess I'm glad I have a diploma, and I guess I'm glad I have a bachelor's. Anyway, um... When I turned 18, I moved in with my mom, and I spent my days playing League of Legends for, like, 10-plus hours a day. I just, when I was 18, I was going to college and lost and directionless and just, you know, you just spend four years there, and I got a degree that I don't care about and have never used, probably don't, will never use in a subject i don't care about um you'll become an accountant no i'm not gonna do that if if i ever use my degree for anything it will be because i'm going to grad school which will be really misguided exceptionally misguided i pay you to do that or go to grad school yeah uh i yes no i guess i mean you get that stipend or something if you teach you get like a stipend which is not very much money or something Mm. I, th- I think. I don't know anything about grad school. So there's no, like, profit in it. You're not gonna... There's no benefit to going. Um, You're I, gonna get another fancy paper. I guess the benefit of going to grad school... I mean, we have people who are in or have completed graduate school who listen to this podcast, and I'm... I, I don't really know why you go back to school another time. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. Do you get to be a professor? Do you get to call yourself Professor Blake? I mean, like, yeah, that's, like, one thing, is that I know, like, 
one of our friends is teaching now because that is like what the work of an academic is. I don't want to teach. I found that out in, in undergrad is that I thought I wanted to teach and I didn't. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, but I thought I wanted to teach secondary school. Maybe teaching um, at a university is better. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, class. I'm uh, Autumn Nightvale Blake. Oh, shut the my fuck name. up! I love Nightvale so much. <laughs> I kiss it. Um, but yeah, I'm just enjoying Nightvale again. Um, it's kind of bad. I kind of like see through the matrix of the way that like Jeffrey Craner and Joseph Fink write. Um, but it is extremely just like a warm blanket. Uh, I've never had anything do that. I've never is, understood this phenomenon. This is also if I went back and listened to Twilight Mirage, it would. I don't redo stuff generally. I, I love redoing stuff. I don't. I love rewatching. Stuff. I don't re-listen to stuff. I don't replay stuff. This is also if I got back into Adventure Time, which I keep thinking about doing now that I've got HBO Max. I guess I watch Star Wars sometimes, but like. It's not a comfort thing. I just like Star Wars. You just like Star Wars a lot. It's fun. It's a good time. It's an active thing. It's not like a, like a, sublimating thing. Mm -hmm. It's an active like you know boys' night with the Revenge of the Sith type situation. No, it's not, if I was... it's not like a. I'm gonna snuggle up in my bed. I'm gonna watch my Star Wars. I'm gonna like chill out. You know. Yeah, I don't I'm, do that. If I'm listening to Night Vale, uh, I'm like curled up on the couch with a blanket and like just kind of staring at the ceiling after a long day at work <laughs> i am incapable of this I um think. but but um you listened to alice isn't dead uh, yeah <laughs> sorry i looked over at your phone and saw a funny text message that's all um you listen to Alice Isn't Dead. You have beef with Joseph Fink. You're ready to fight him? I'm ready to throw down because he's a bitch. <laughs> I have listened uh, to, in my life, maybe five or six episodes of Alice Isn't Dead. I always hated it. Um, Why did you hate it? Okay. So I guess I will share my thoughts. Do you want to say what Alice Isn't Dead is for yes. the people... Who are young enough that they don't know about Night Vale. Yes. Okay, so. Night Vale is a podcast that started in 2012, I want to say. Maybe 2011. Anyway. Um, Night Vale is a fiction podcast that is like a radio announcer who is um, like giving you just, like, the news and the updates from this small town that is, like, very weird and cosmic horror, basically. You know, um, there is, like, the very first segment on the first episode of Night Vale is, um, like, um, the sun is hot, the moon, the moon is beautiful, and, um, blinking lights pass over our heads while we all pretend to sleep. And, you know, they, the first episode has the segment where they open a dog park in town and, um, you know, there is an announcement that, like, residents of Night Vale are not to look at the dog park, are not to think of the dog park, are not to, um, you know, go to the dog park and certainly not to bring their dogs to the dog park, mm -hmm. you know, 
It is a sort of like horror community radio podcast. This was tremendously successful. Immensely successful. Like to the detriment of the quality of the work. Tremendously to the detriment of the quality of the work. The podcast has only gotten worse as it has been uh, more and more successful. So in 2016, um, in very important, in yes. early 2016. Yes, I can get you a date here. It's March, I believe. It's March 2016. Uh, this is very important. This is important. <laughs> Some of you may know what was happening in March of 2016. <laughs> there was an election on the horizon. And Bernie was already out, I think. I think so. Or close to it. Um. Anyway, um. so March 2016... Night Vale had once been produced by a a small theater company called Commonplace Books. At some point in 2016, um, you know, the the creators of Night Vale and the various performers on Night Vale, because, Mm -hmm. like, it starts with um, just... um, It starts with just Cecil... Um, who is, like, the narrator, and then Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, who are the writers, and they start to add cast members, um, because all three of those people were very into, like, theater in New York. They start to add cast members, and they start to get guest writers, um, and the show just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and they form, like, Welcome to Night Vale, or Night Vale Percents, which is, like, an LLC, basically. And Just some good friends with an LLC. Yeah, you know. Um, Not that we haven't seen before. They've got a. They have a touring live show at this point. Um, they have. They're tremendously successful in merch sales. Um, I owned Night Vale merch. I. <laughs> you especially own Night Vale merch now. Yeah, I just bought more Night Vale merch this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like I would. Night Vale was the sort of, like, success in the way that, like, you know, sometimes you're... I'm really into Friends at the Table, you know? Sure. Less so now, but I was really into Friends at the Table at one time. If I saw somebody on the street in St. Louis with a Friends at the Table shirt, I would stop stone dead. I would be shocked. I would be gobsmacked that I saw another person in the world who knew about Friends of the Table and owned Friends of the Table merch. Uh, I kind of feel that way about the Adventure Zone, though I know that they also have a they touring have live a show. They have a comic. They have a touring live show, so, like, I understand, like, merch is part of that. Um, I regularly would see people walking around Lawrence, Kansas, a town of, like, 60,000 people. And it's, it's a university town, but, like, regularly would see people walking around in Night Vale merch. Night Vale was huge um especially this is like it it starts to hit huge before serial hits huge and sort of transforms this whole space into tri- true crime podcasts i think night vale sort of presages that a little bit um so yeah 2016 they've got all the success and they start spinning out into other shows on the night vale presents network um which includes Alice Isn't Dead, which is solo written by Joseph Fink, 
um, within the wires, which is solo written by Jeffrey Craner. To put it in perspective, the Night Vale podcast account on Twitter has fifty percent more followers than the official My Brother, My Brother and Me yeah podcast Twitter account. Yeah, like not personalities attached. Just yeah. the brand account yeah. is fifty percent bigger than the brand account for Mabim Bam. Yeah, it it's Night, big. Nightville's big. Nightville is big. If um, you haven't heard of it, now you have. I'd be genuinely surprised people who hadn't heard of Nightville. I would not I hadn't be until I met you. I would not be surprised by people who are listen by people uh, who are listening to this and don't know Alice isn't dead. That wouldn't shock me. But people listening to this, I feel like are probably passingly familiar with Nightville. You know? Yeah. If they're not, then they're uh, familiar with, like, the Palette Swap podcast of Night Vale that I just associate with Night Vale, which is the Magnus Archives. Yeah. Which is another spooky podcast Mm -hmm. with a long, over, like, long, convoluted, like, lore stuff that people really love. This is the... Okay, so this is the other thing about Night Vale. And this is extremely concurrent to Homestuck. In my mind, it starts a couple years after Homestuck, but it is very much like contemporary to it in my mind, is that Night Vale starts as sort of like very light horror community radio, you know, just very light, like, oh yeah, street cleaning day, hundreds of people died, you know, just very light, that sort of stuff. Quirky. Quirky. Quirky horror. Yeah. Weird Twitter. I don't know if people here remember weird Twitter. I do. Um, here comes weird Twitter. <laughs> um, you know. Um, it starts as that. And as they add cast members and as they add more people, not necessarily regularly writing the show, but more people writing the show, more people contributing to the show... I think the actors get a lot of say in what happens on the show, um, especially the live shows. Um, it, it becomes more and more about appealing to the queer audience of you don't see yourself represented in media, you know. And this is something that appealed to me at the time. Was it like, oh, you? There are not other podcasts. There's not like shows on TV about what it is like to be a queer person of color. Um, This is a cast filled with queer people of color, you know? Uh, Various different, you know, various different flavors of queer, various different, like, places that people of color are from, you know, all these sorts of things. Like, like, there are white queer people, there are people of color who aren't queer, you know, like, very representation extremely like representation um like this is also like and this is the 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 appeal of night veil at a certain point i mean this is also crossing over with this same stuff happening in animation yes this is extremely concurrent to steven universe and adventure time Um, not shira shira is shira is a little bit shira is after the point where i fall off night veil is what i'll say I don't know what Night Vale is up to What's in the past the other couple one? years. What's the other one? Voltron? Voltron. There we go. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's the vibe. Representation becomes 
sort of the core appeal of Night Vale. Would you describe it as sort of a wholesome? Yes. It is extremely... <laughs> sort of a precursor to... To wholesome games, wholesome. to... Yeah. Anyway, Alice isn't dead. Yeah, so... The, Night Vale makes this its brand and starts launching these spin-off podcasts like Alice Isn't Dead, like Within the Wires. Tell us about Alice Isn't Dead. because You I were going to say why you hated it. Oh, well, you tell us about Alice Isn't Dead. I've listened to the first couple episodes. I've re-listened to them recently. I haven't finished it. I might. I might not. But you tell us about what Alice Isn't Dead is. I'll tell you why I hate it, and you tell me why you hate it, because you have finished it. So Alice Isn't Dead is the story of a girl named Keisha who lost her wife. And then, during the mourning process, she looks on TV and she sees her wife standing in the background of a news report. And then, again, in another place in the country, and again in another place in the country. So she quits her job, becomes a truck driver to search America for her missing, uh, seemingly not dead, wife. Soon comes across the Thistle Man which is a weird yellowish guy in uh, fucked up clothes and like a polo shirt that says Thistle. And he's just eating stuff constantly. He's eating these, this omelet with his hands. And then he like, um, you know, scares her, says some like really spooky shit, and then like kills a guy in front of her and starts eating him. And as she starts moving through you know, the roads of, of America, she sees this guy again and again, uh, you know, mul- has multiple encounters with him, and wherein he uh, spooks her or eats somebody. Um, and she's sort of, like, trying to figure out what's happening. And she finds um, this kid named Sylvia, who's also seen some weird shit. Um, and throughout all this are, like, little side encounters where some weird shit happens like she drives across the country and she drives through this one town three or four times without like stopping um she just keeps coming up on the same town on the road and like the first time everything is normal the second time she passes through everyone is standing still exactly where she had seen them the first time the third time she passes through and everything is on fire and everyone is standing still but, like, her GPS says she's moving west, but this is just the third time she's come into this weird town. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, she eventually uh, discovers the other town, which is a place near this town. I don't remember what town it is. I think it's in California. And there's an army base. And on the army base is a secret, like town of thistle men like hundreds of them they're they're just making weird noises because most of them don't talk they just go like or whoop (laughs) (laughs) have you heard the episode early on where they go whoop no i have not there's one that just hangs out in her house when she goes home and just like like twists at the waist so that its arms flap around and smack its sides mm-hmm. and it says whoop i was surprised i i think that i left off with the first episode where um the thistle man like attacks her mm-hmm. and i was surprised that this podcast seems to just lean into actual horror 
uh, in a way that Night Vale hasn't. I was not scared by the Thistle Man, but it seems to be going for, like... Yeah. In the, in the ads, um, uh, like, for the book and the podcast, um, Joseph Fink is like, if you enjoy the works of Stephen King, you'll mm-hmm. like... Um, um, at one point, she finds this... This is when she finds Sylvia. She finds a big stretch of billboards that just have a bunch of names. Mm-hmm. And then when she finally decides to Google them, they are just victims of a possible serial killer who just eats people, like takes bites out of people and kills them and on the highway. Mm-hmm. And just leaves them at weird places along the road. Um, and she's come to realize now that she's here in this thistle town, like this is just hundreds of monstrous men who uh, just are out there in the world doing heinous violence to people and here they are just like hanging out on a u.s army base Mm -hmm. that is clearly like there's electricity there's buildings like this is a Mm -hmm. kept place yeah so she drives her truck straight into them (laughs) (laughs) um and she finds out that heather oil is is like a deterrent for them right so she like surprises the main thistle man and manages to stun him and get him like in a in a like lock herself in a freezer with him, and uh, she like kills him by uh, getting anxiety superpowers because she has anxiety and so she's like pushing that anxiety into her like limbs so that she can become really strong and like push that frantic energy into beating the shit out of this guy. Mm-hmm. Then she gets saved by a military unit wearing the same um, logo as her shipping company, the Bang Creek. Okay. So this is a secret war between the Bang Creek shipping company and Thistle. Okay? This is dumb. This is very... very this is Stephen King, this is actually. Very, this is very VFD. <laughs> Yeah. Is is where I was going. Oh, God, you're right. It's the VFD, which is a cut that no one's going to make sense of unless you're... Well, everyone knows VFD. Anyway, uh, then she's like... She, like, is saved by this person, Lucy. And they, like, just mow down all these people. These thistled men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she gets out. And they give her a new truck because she wrecked hers. And she goes off to do more deliveries for the Bay and Creek Shipping Company. And she starts, like, trying to investigate. And this, this is now the second season. We have, okay. a, we have a new character. Okay. Uh, who's... I don't know if she has a name. But she's great. Um, anyway. Keisha is investigating this person who saved her. And, like, follows her to this weird place. And she gets pulled over by a cop car. And it's not a cop. The uniform is all wrong. And she's just, like, talking all weird. And she's talks about how um, she's going to, like... I could just, like, take off all your limbs with my hands. I've done it before. Okay. It's, like, very nonchalantly. This character's great. And basically, the setup is now she's being hunted by this weird fake cop mm-hmm. who's going to, like, trade cars by, and, like, stop people and kill them and take their cars and, like, f- keep following her. Until, finally, she's like, oh, God, I've had too many adventures. 
I met Alice. She said to stop looking for her because she's doing important work mm-hmm. from Bay and Creek. I guess I have to leave the country. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the border and then immediately, as soon as she starts like coming up with a solution to the problem of uh, being hunted by this person, she gets uh, like t-boned in her truck and is captured. And this uh, fake cop woman takes her to the Bay and Creek secret base because she works for Bay and Creek. Mm-hmm. Because Bay and Creek and Thistle are the same thing. Oh, shut up! Because... <laughs> shut up! If you have a secret war uh, where you, like, pull people who are, like, these good people to fight against these monsters in the shadows, that allows the U.S. government to, like, get away with stuff? Or something like that? I'm rolling my eyes. The army can do more weird shit in secret if you distract people by having this shadow war between Thistle and Bay and Creek. This is 2017, yes? Yeah. Okay. Just just double checking. But oh. we've also had a weird third factor. Uh-huh. The oracles. Okay. So in weird abandoned places on the road there you sometimes encounter somebody in a hoodie. Right. You played me one of these clips. And they are... Weird extra-temporal beings that resemble humans, kind of, but you can't see their face beneath the hood. And they experience time all at once, so they're, like, kind of... It's hard to communicate with them. Um, and you see this... Oh, I love Kurt Vonnegut. There's this, like, um, tape where Sylvia's mom was attacked by a thistle man. I'm doing a bad job of summarizing. This is fine. I'm enjoying this. At some point, Sylvia comes back into the story, and they manage to get hold of this security tape of the inciting incident that made Sylvia go out on the road, um, which is that her mom was killed by a thistle man, and then you watch as this person in a hoodie shows up and just tears it in half, Mm -hmm. just, like, rips it apart. It turns out this is... An oracle, although at the time you're you're uh, assuming that it's that other person, right? That um, that talked about ripping arms off. Yeah, makes sense. Um, but Keisha is rescued from the fake cop by Alice, who uh, just unloads a gun into her and kills her. <laughs> and then the third season has the two of them together. Okay, um, kind of like investigating all this stuff. They've gathered all this information about Bane Creek and about Thistle because Alice, this whole time, has been a Bane Creek, like, soldier operator. Mm. And so now she's out. They've gathered all this evidence and this information, and they give it to a reporter. Uh-huh. And it gets, that go for them? it gets published. And they turn on the news, and a whole bunch of other random bullshit is on the news. And yeah. nobody gives a shit about the news. This is 2018 now? This is 2018. (laughs) For season three? And they're like, damn. Also, a couple of things. They encountered, like, this burger joint a couple times Mm -hmm. in different countries, but in different, like, cities. Every time they go in, it's the same store. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Praxis. Oh, shut up! In the first season, there was a one-off where there was a factory called Praxis. 
Yeah, I got there. I got there. And there's a uh, there's a bit where they're like, "What is pra- what do you know about Praxis?" And the main character is like, "I don't know. I don't know anything about Praxis." Shut up. And so now the headlines have failed. The 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 news has failed. Nobody cares. We can't connect with people through headlines and media. We have to connect with people directly. We have to organize. We have to organize our communities to do something about the men who commit violence that are being shielded by society. Now, stay with me. I Just pausing, I want to reconfirm. This is a media object telling you that media objects are useless for getting real work done. Hmm. Well, no, the news. Nobody, nobody reads the news and cares because they all, they all know. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in them, they know. But all this does is take away the uh, like self-deception. Okay. But everyone knows that bad shit happens. They just don't think about it. Yeah. Okay. So they have to reach out to the people around them, and like share these stories of the like violence that has been done to them and to people that they know then those people reach out to other people and they start to form this group called praxis i would like to hear interject um that in 2020 um joseph fink started a podcast called our plague year which is composed of Stories by him, by guest writers, by listeners even, um, about the pandemic. Um, yeah, you gotta reach out yeah. to your community. And the, uh, the the ads are always like, it's about how, you know, stories of, like, pain and stories of uplifting moments, but most of all, stories about being connected. Anyway. Strand games. <laughs> anyway, they start making this group... And we get a cutaway. Lucy is working on something. Mm-hmm. And eventually, um, after some like some more adventures and some more organizing and the two of them like patching their relationship up and like being a, a good married couple, happy married couple again, uh, we get a, a letter from Lucy who's mm-hmm. like, it's time to finish this. Okay. And so they show up to the parking lot. And there's hundreds of thistle men who have no. finally sort of who were like out and about and scattered, finally reconvened after most of them were destroyed in the thistle town. Right. And Lucy is there. And everyone is there and they've got praxis. And they they have like a pre battle This is so like, dumb. Like the night before the big battle they, like, go and talk to the different people who are here and, like, oh, hey, it's you. You were that character from season one in this episode. And you were this character from season two in this episode. You're the lady I flirted with that one time. Like, all these, all the care everyone is here. This is dumb. Welcome to Smash Brothers Ultimate. Alice isn't dead. So then the next day... Is they, Sora there? Yes. Okay. They have a big Lord of the Rings battle with the Thistlemen. Uh-huh. We get one episode that details the process of becoming a thistle man, which starts out by saying that this guy was never taught how to hate. He just took to it naturally. 
That's not true. <laughs> and so he was always racist when he was a kid. And he no. Ha- he hated... No. That- no. Shush. This is not how he racism works. He was just works. always racist. He hated that there were people in his class that were different from him. This and then... Racism works. He met someone who's the fake cop lady who like sort of whispered some encouraging ideas into his head. And now he starts like transforming slowly over years into this thistle man. So being a racist makes you ugly <laughs> and monstrous. But it's also only men. And this well, guy Well, as we all know from the last two elections, white women are never racist. <laughs> um but it's important that this guy was always bad because it's the only perspective of the thistle men we get it's the only pov from Mm -hmm. that that we have except for one more thing later on so anyway they do a big lord of the rings battle and keisha kills lucy it's a whole thing um and at the end like sylvia becomes sylvia is like i want to understand the 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 oracles and when you look at things like the thistle men and the oracles the truth that they come to is that if you believe in an idea or an ideal strongly enough it can change you and so when you get too consumed with hate you become the thistle men and if you you know inundate yourself with the idea of the oracles and about helping people about being these angels they sort of start a new religion where keisha and alice are these like saint figures and the uh, oracles are like angels that they can control you basically it can change you so sylvia becomes an oracle probably the same oracle that killed the thing that killed her mom mm-hmm. they don't say that but it would feel appropriate yeah Anyway, so at the end, they're losing the battle, and then the oracles all show up. Mm-hmm. And they brought all the other Praxis people from way farther away. Oh, a battle of five armies. <laughs> of two armies. <laughs> because it's fucking uh, Rise of Skywalker. Because there's more of us than them. <laughs> and so you oh, do a big God. Lord of the Rings battle against all the racists. It's and been almost two years since Rise of Skywalker. Can you believe that? Yeah. It feels like yesterday. Anyway, then they can all go home. Street Fighter the movie voice, they can all go home. Because they did it. They beat racism. They beat evil. So then the last episode is a 20-minute victory lap describing the next 60 years of Alice and Keisha's life together as they grow old, have a kid, and uh, the kid grows up and, like, details some of the kid's life up to, like, 20s, 30s, uh, until they eventually uh, die of old age together, and Mm. everyone is happy. And this whole time, I'm fuming at work. Just, what the fuck is this? (laughs) You've completely lost the plot. And then we get a kind of neat little monologue from the fake cop lady who's dead. And she talks about like, yeah, I'll be back. Hmm. And the next cycle will continue and I'll find somebody and I'll give them some ideas and we'll start some thistle men again. Maybe I'll go hang out on the moon 
I really let myself get hungry before I come down. You can watch Twin Peaks. It's free. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. But she's great. This character is great. I love her a lot. Um, but here's the problem. So, all of this to do about standing up to this cyclical violence and this, like, structural evil just to buy you and your children a generation of normal... Good, clean American living. Good, clean American living under capitalism as God intended. (laughs) Like, you're using the word praxis here and, like, pawing at ideas of... Like, community organizing. But it's all just to get back to what is good, which is normalcy. Mm. Back to, oh, you know, we got uh, we got new jobs, and we got a new house, and we had a kid, and, you know, our kid went to school, <laughs> our kid got a job. Our kid- because <laughs> even when... Um... Even when, like, Joseph Inc. features queer characters, and this is true in Night Vale 2, um, I, I guess, you know, when Joseph Fink, Jeffrey Craner, and all the involved people in Night Vale feature queer characters, the only vision for, like, what queerness could be is still the nuclear family, you know? Like, that is mm-hmm. what... The, 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 the problem with uh, homophobia and... Um, like transphobia and queerphobia in society in the vision of you know night veil percents and associated podcasts is not that uh you know queer people are oppressed but that queer people are denied access to a nuclear family (laughs) the whole point of this show is that people on the outskirts of america get targeted by violence that is ignored and allowed but at no point is the concept of america called into question yes america is what it is yes we can do better within america but america should still be the reality yes that we live in but and we'll like stop the people who are hurting people now but there's no way to stop like, the cycle from continuing. There's no fundamental change in society that will address the harm that will come later. All we can do is reset the clock and go back to work and have normal lives until, you know, 200 years from now when the, you know, personification of America's, you know, neglect comes back down to sort of physicalize... You know the the violence in the, on the outskirts of American society. The phrase "Native American" is spoken exactly one time in this thirty-episode series that is all about America as a concept and a place and as a thing to be characterized and discussed and considered at great length. Okay, so they at multiple times they say that they are disappointed in their country. So. The, the 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 thing that is present throughout Night Vale and through the early episodes of Alice Isn't Dead is 
Joseph Fink's preoccupation. This is also true in uh, I Only Listen to the Mountain Goats, which is a podcast where he interviews John Darnielle about various Mountain Goats songs. Um, He has a preoccupation with, like, Americana, with sort of, like, aesthetic, like, particularly, like, post-World War II, like, um, American aesthetics, you know? The, the diner, the Waffle House, the, um, the Target, the, the Target parking lot, specifically. Waffle House? Not mentioned one time. You but know, Denny's it, comes up, Denny's. like, seven times. Yeah. Um. What the fuck? Yeah. Um. The, the burger joints. The, the milkshakes. You know, it, these are sort of, like, aesthetic ideas that run through a lot of, like, American art, especially post-World War II. Uh, it's all over Bruce Springsteen music. It runs through Mountain Goats music. It's in, it's in the writing of Stephen King constantly. Um, it is, you know... And after the Vietnam War is, you know, the, the Springsteen and King getting, like, critical of these American aesthetics while also being like, oh, but they're so cool because they're from my childhood. (laughs) Because I have a nostalgia... Okay, so, like, I... I I feel the same pull towards these aesthetics that Joseph Fink does. I talk a lot about, you know, times in college where my friends and I would hang out at IHOP till 3 a.m. smoking, like, stepping outside and smoking cigarettes and coming back in and getting another cup of coffee and, like, eating more pancakes and, like, doing homework or whatever. Like, this is the thing. I feel the same attraction to sort of Americana. I Like, I love Tom Waits' music, you know? And, um... Uh, for me... I am aware that I have an investment in these aesthetics, um, and that also, like, you know, these things are predicated on violence. That, like, you know, the, the, all the land that the Target parking lots are taking up is stolen land, you know, um, and that it was, you know, built by, like, labor that we, you know, imported from Africa, you know, you know, and didn't pay for, and, you know, all the, all the violence, you know, the railroads being built by, like, Chinese immigrants, um, at, like, tremendous peril to those immigrants, um, I'm aware of that, and, like, I enjoy exploring it in fiction, um, and, I, I just think that, like, Joseph Fink... I guess what I'm getting at is that I am aware of that, and I'm like, okay. Like, these things that I enjoy are also, like, very tainted by, like, imperialism and colonialism and slavery and all these things. I think Joseph Fink is like, I like this. I like this aesthetic. I like the big neon glowing open sign. And because I like it, 
it cannot be bad. There cannot be evil inherent to that. The evil must be some outside thing, because if I liked it and it was evil, then I would be evil. So, that cannot be true. <laughs> Which is also a very Stephen King way of thinking. <laughs> it's a very specifically early Trump years podcast. Yes. And it's just like, oh, you kind of heard about community organizing and praxis as a concept. Kinda. Mm-hmm. But you haven't read anything about it. You mm-hmm. haven't done any like research about it. You just kind of like are going with the sort of mellow DSA Twitter takes. Yeah. Rather than like, you know, actual like constructing or reading theory, for example. Like yeah. not, not just reading theory, but like coming up with like this is the thing I believe. This is a belief I have about the world. This is like how I think this works and how I think this should work. And I'm going to, like, move forward with that in mind, with the context of I have formed an ideology. He has not really formed an ideology. He has just sort of, um, you know, there's a Cheeto in the freaking White House, man. There's a Cheeto in the freaking White House. Okay, so, like, Joseph Fink's Twitter <laughs> display name right now is Joseph Fink Healthcare is a Human Right. Exactly. He has 81,000 followers on Twitter. Like, and no sort of, like, from what I can recall from when I used to follow him on Twitter, because I unfollowed him post the Trump election because I found him insufferable. Um, Let me tell you, every, almost every episode of Alice is Dead starts with him selling you a mindfulness app that is the most disgusting ad read I've ever heard. Yeah, it's bad. Bad. He's the least sincere person I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and there's no sort of guiding ideology toward how, if healthcare is a human right, and I also believe that it is, he presents in his podcasts, which go out to, you know, 80,000 plus people, you know, um, he's a published author. He could three to three, four times over. He could present some sort of, you know, to his audience. He could leverage that audience to be like, healthcare is a human right. We are currently being denied it by the U.S. government because of X, Y, and Z reasons. And here are non-electoral ways that we could pursue that goal. You know, but that that's not a thing he doesn't think about because, like, well, I mean. Not everyone who believes that has to be that person. I I know, but, like, I, I think he genuinely believes that electoral politics are the way to reach um, healthcare as a human right. Despite, like, people have been pursuing that since the Clinton administration. Since the 90s, people have been fighting for healthcare as a basic human right in the U.S. And time and again, they have been defeated... In the in like the arena of electoral politics, and yet still he believes in this shit, <laughs> you know. Um, it feels very reminiscent of you know um, on Do Not Steal. You know they talk about like all these tabletop books that are constantly just like mutual aid, mutual aid, with no sort of like guiding ideology, just like you know buzzwords of leftism. Um, I. I if people um 
think people should listen to the Eclipse Phase episode of Do Not Steal. I think it's, like, really instructive to some of the same things that I think I feel about, you know, Night Vale podcasts mm-hmm. and Joseph Fink uh, and his work. Um, I also... Sorry, you were going to say something. I was just incensed over the ending of this podcast being, one, a big Lord of the Rings battle with the personification of bad people. Yeah. That you can win. Yeah. And it was like, it's one thing to say, to to beat rigor, you kill rigor. It's another thing to say, to beat racism, you just beat up a bunch of fungus men. Yeah. Like, also, the fact that the... I, the Fundamental assumptions like the existence of the structure within which this violence is going to take place again, that it's just never called into question. There's no perspective of how to change things to prevent it from coming back. And it's like, are you going to do like a, a sci-fi sequel to Alice and Dead where there's more lore shit and this lady comes back and they make more Thistlemen? I don't feel like you are. Mm-hmm. I think you're leaving this as this. And it sucks. It sucks. There's Um, no, like... There's not even, like, a a helplessness there. mm -hmm. Of, like, ah, at the end of the day, we can't do anything about this, so... The thing we have to do is to do the work in the present to keep the present safer than it otherwise would be because we can never actually change things... So you just have, you know, we're all going to die, so you might as well just be a good person until you die. It doesn't even have that. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, we won. And then at the end, it's like, yeah, I'll be back. So <laughs> long as there is darkness in the hearts of man. <laughs> it's like... The other thing, I guess, is that, like, you know, um... And this is sort of pulling from, like, half-remembered things of, like, you know, listening to interviews with Joseph Fink years ago. So if I I have factual stuff wrong here, I I guess I'm sorry. Um, But there is a way that he writes things. And it shows up a lot in Night Vale, but it was really prevalent in... uh, Because Night Vale... Night Vale is just about a sort of, like, town in, like, the New Mexico, Arizona, like, Colorado, like, part of the world. Like, that's, like, southwestern United States. Um, It comes up a lot more in Alice Isn't Dead, specifically because they're going to places that I recognize, you know, from, like, my own, like, They mention our street. (laughs) They mention the street we live on. (laughs) Um... There is, like, a way, because Keisha is a character who I believe lives in California, and then gets this job driving all around the country. Hmm. I believe that is the case. And similarly, I believe Joseph Fink is a born and raised New Yorker, if he is not he has certainly lived in New York for a very long time because he's part of the New York theater scene. And that's like part of like what Night Vale grows out of is like New York theater, you know? Um, and there is a way that he writes particularly in Alice isn't dead that comes off as, ah, I've lived in New York, but now I'm going on tour with my, you know, theater company 
And seeing, you know, Lawrence, Kansas, where I saw him, you know, um, like Kansas features prominently in an early episode of Alice Isn't Dead, um, it, that feels very touristy, that feels very, like, leering at people and judging people. Yeah, Keisha will even, like, call attention to this, will even be like, oh, I'm looking down at these, like, dumb little Kansans again, aren't I? That's not what she says. But she's like... She's like a lot of times where she just, like, points out, like, ah, here's a thing that people do out in the country that's racist. Yeah. She... Weird to think that such a puritanical culture would also have such huge sex shops off the highway. Yeah. I wonder how they deal with that contradiction in their heads. Yeah, like, this is, like, a this is like a thing. Um, if you drive down I-70, I think of it more as a Missouri thing, but I guess it's probably a Kansas thing, too. As you drive down I-70, particularly between Kansas City and St. Louis, you will see constant billboards for, like, sex shops. Sex toy stores, lingerie stores, all these sorts of things. And you'll get off the highway there, and there will be these stores... At a, there will be nearby, like, gun stores or fireworks stores. There will be churches and gas stations and, and fast food stops. Like, that is, like, a pretty common thing in, like, driving down I-70 all through Missouri and I guess through Kansas, too. That is what is asserted in the podcast, and I certainly don't remember that, but I, you know, um, I have my own biases toward liking Kansas better than Missouri, so... <laughs> um so that's like true but keisha is observing this and being pretty fucking condescending about it and then she's like i'm being condescending again aren't i but like it doesn't make me as a kansan feel any better about being condescended to there's also the other condescending condescension Mm -hmm. of like she talks to this person I don't remember where he's from, but he's like, the food that I cook now, you know, 20 years ago, people turned up their nose at, and net because it was foreign, and now people want to know if it's authentic enough. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you know, we, you, everyone listening to this is, is, we have the good politics, we're not racist. Mm-hmm. We, we accept the, the beauty of immigrants. We get the job done, as they say in Hamilton. And, uh, you know, it's all about the hustle and, like, immigrants Christ really do almighty. work so hard and look at the way that they're treated and mm-hmm. expected to act. Immigrants are other people, yes. crucially. Obviously. <laughs> um, it's a whole thing. It's the weird podcast politics right there on the sleeve. Mm. Um, but also... The main voice actor, very good. Yeah, Jessica Nicole is great. There's like a reason. There's a reason that Jessica Nicole becomes like one of the driving forces for a long part of Night Vale. Like she becomes a sort of deuteragonist of Night Vale, um, and you know, uh, at basically at the same time that like Dana is becoming a huge part of Night Vale is, um, you know, um, Alice is dead is launching. I think that, you know, Joseph Fink latches onto her as an actress because she's great. <laughs> um, 
Oh, uh, what was I? What else was I gonna say? Um, Something this, funky with Firefox right now. The the other thing, um, the other thing, I guess, um, the about like the way that Keisha, who in some ways is an extension of Joseph Fink, in other ways is not, but in some ways Justin Fink, um. It, like in some ways, she is an ex- an extension of Joseph Fink, um, and um, what was I gonna say? That she is like this observer touring America, much the way that you know mm-hmm. his live show tours America, um, and um, there is n- at least so far. Maybe this is not true later in the podcast. I am willing for this to not be true later in the podcast. But there is no vision for me of what life is actually like for people in the Midwest, for people in, you know, the these quote-unquote flyover states, um, as I think Joseph Fink would probably refer to <laughs> these parts of the world. Um, uh, there is, she sees life happening, but she is not, you know, participating in life here. And there is no, you know, there's just no vision for, like, what it is like to be a queer person living in Kansas, let's say. Like, like, when I saw Night Vale Live, it was in Lawrence, Kansas. Everyone in that fucking theater was gay. It was like every fucking every fucking homo from the entire state had driven in to Lawrence to Liberty Hall to go see this damn show. Mm-hmm. And Lawrence is a small town, but it's a bustling little town. You know, Liberty Hall is right on Mass Street, and there's like four bookstores and a whole bunch of restaurants, and like it's a lively little town. We have our university. We have like stuff going on. That's not what Kansas is. Kansas is, you know, billboards of sex shops. That's mm-hmm. what Kansas is in the imaginary of um, Alice Isn't Dead, to kind of, like, steal a phrase from, uh, you know, uh, Range to Touch. Like, um, in the imagination of, of Joseph Fink, like, that is not tr- that is not a thing that he talks about in the show despite him like being there and like seeing it in person there were hundreds of just like little fucking 20 year old gay kids at his fucking show we're not in that we're not part of the narrative that he's telling about america at least so far maybe that gets better later in the show the the stuff that is true of america is the conservatism and um you know there's no space for you know, people like me, people like everybody at that show. Mm-hmm. So, um, I knew people that like there were, you know, it was in Lawrence. There were a lot of kids that I saw like from the university. There were a lot of I talked to people who were not from who didn't go to KU. Like I talked to people there who were like seventeen and had driven in from like Wichita, had driven in from fucking like liberal Kansas. I'm sure, you know. Hmm. So that's all. I'm done. Um, I've been trying to find out any details about Alice's net this whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Wikipedia doesn't list the three cast members mm-hmm. or the character names other than Keisha and Alice. Mm-hmm. So the the third character who has a, their own voice is, uh, according to the Alice Isn't Dead wiki, which is the only place I could fucking find this, is, is named The Watcher. Uh, her occupation is killer. Her age <laughs> is at least hundreds of years. Her status right now is regenerating. Uh, do they list the person who vo- played by Roberta Calendres. Yes, that's what I was looking forward to. Because yeah. I think that she's great in this podcast. Yeah. But, um... There's also a bunch of bonus episodes and stuff I didn't watch. I was not interested. Yeah. I, I intend to skip most of the bonus stuff as I continue to get through Night Vale. Um... Oh, this is, like, such a dumb thing to complain about, maybe. Um, but it is so disheartening that for years, for years and years, before I got out of Night Vale, because there weren't ads in Night Vale for, like, years, and I got out in probably 2016, I guess, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe early 2017, there were not ads. Oh, yeah. Instead, what you had was, like, Joseph Fink or Jeffrey Craner at the start of each episode, like, reading to you, like, we have upcoming tour dates in here, and, oh, we just started selling t-shirts here. You got, like, little news stuff, like, and so you could sort of track the development of the podcast through this. I remember these. I remember them so clearly, um, because I was listening to the episodes multiple times over, and I wouldn't always bother to skip those. All of that got stripped out and replaced with programmatic ads for Headspace and Brooks Linens and fucking, you know. There's an ad that played on every episode that was mixed so low, I couldn't fucking hear it. Yeah. It was always, start of the episode is, if you like this podcast, you will like Alice Isn't Dead, a standalone reimagining of this podcast available wherever you encounter books. Then it would play the intro narration and the theme song. Then it would cut to an ad where Joseph Fink tells you it's hard to exist as a person in the world. How are we supposed to function? Thankfully, there's help with Headspace. Then the quiet ad. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back to the show. And then you'll get an ad for some fucking Dr. Death shit. They also will sometimes play a chunk of that podcast. Suspect, a true crime podcast. It's just like... They started a true crime podcast! I hate true crime podcasts. Do you... I don't know if I told you this. I don't know if I tweeted about this. A couple days ago, some lady came through the drive-thru at work, and I hand her her fucking frappuccino, and she's like, Hey, do you like true crime podcasts? And I was like, uh, I don't know, but I think some people who work here do. She's like, have my business card. I just started a true crime podcast. <laughs> I think that that's one of the most disgusting forms of uh, media being made currently. Yeah, I, I find true crime podcasts vile, just generally I'll take speaking. true crime over NFTs, I guess, but... I, I, I find them disgusting across the yeah. board. Um, anyway, I guess listen to Don't Get in the Van, which is the podcast that was being advertised to me by a customer. I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna look that up now. Yeah, Don't Get in the Van, a true crime podcast. It's probably the only Google hit they got today. 
I'm being mean. It's on Audible. What the fuck? <laughs> really cutesy name. Yeah. And logo for a... Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Three episodes wow. so far. Good for them, I guess. I... Whatever. Each week we will discuss a different case and test your true crime knowledge with trivia questions. Trivia! Stop this! Anyway, I hope this customer isn't listening to the show. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think she is. Yeah. It's probably fine. I just find true crime podcasts, like, vile. I, yep. I, they're disgusting, and I don't think they should exist. I, I also find true crime films generally to be this um anyway anyway i'm done with that now yeah i um i had initially thought we would talk about this on arcanum i'm kind of glad we didn't because on arcanum i would feel some sort of pressure to like hurry things along i'm glad we got to be expansive with that um, much as I am disappointed just, we didn't get Mark weighing in, because I'm sure Mark would have so had good thoughts. floored by this usage of praxis, and com socialism is when you do a big Lord of the Rings battle. Socialism. With no weapons. No one is described as fighting with weapons. Socialism is when you change your Displitter Twain, uh, Displitter... Twain name? Yeah, the Splitter Twain name. Um, <laughs> to healthcare as a human right. You almost had it. You almost had an idea about, like, oh, th the place itself is evil. People people should watch Twin Peaks, is, is my opinion. Twin Peaks is actually racist sometimes, and somehow smarter about what... <laughs> what america is i think then um i also just want to do a shout out to the alice is in dead wiki for sylvia uh her status is listed as transformed into an oracle <laughs> um anything else any other just like brief topics we want to touch on or should we wrap it up i'm reading more monster i will probably bring that up on arcanum um I've been watching The Matrix Reloaded piece by piece, but I'll probably bring that up on stairwells unless I have something pressing that needs to come here. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. I guess we can wrap it up. Um, oh, yeah. Um, Godzilla's not dead. $5 patrons. Um, please bear with us. We're just... It's been a struggle. Lately, we're trying to make Godzilla's not dead Next happen. Next week, along with Star Wars. Yeah, we're. I <laughs> I just feel bad. I feel bad because we've never really had something we've been able to consistently provide five dollar patrons with. Like we've been, you know, for our best patrons, we have been pretty unpredictable and unreliable. I would like to turn that around, and I'm not making you any promises until after we have moved. Yeah, but so, I'm making a promise of at least one more before yes. we move. Oh, yeah. It's happening. Maybe two. It's happening. It's happening. Rodan. Rodan. Send your emails. Exportaudiopodcast.gmail.com. We watched that movie like three weeks ago. We were it's ten. fine. I remember the best part. 
We were we were. <laughs> you remember minutes. the best part? Do I remember the best part? What's the best part? They're just having a heart to heart conversation in that living room. Oh yeah. And a big old fucking bug just. Yeah, that's great. I love that guy. Right into the room. Um. Yeah. Um. We were like ten minutes into recording, and I got a call from my boss asking me to come into work like two hours early, and I did. So. It's hard. You heard it here first, folks. Autumn thinks work more important than you. I, I guess if people are not in the abnormal mapping Discord, maybe they haven't kept up with us. I've been talking about it some in the in the Discord recently. Um, I just worked a forty-eight hour week, like, and I have worked overtime. I think every week since I got my new position at this job. Um, I believe that is true. If n- so, stuff stuff being inconsistent is just because of that, and we're trying to make things better. I think I've mentioned this on the last, like, three podcasts I've been on, because I just want to make sure that everybody knows that's what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Nora, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I do at NoraBlake.online on expertodd.io or patreon.com slash expertaudio. You can listen to my uh, Marble Hornets podcast if you like spooky stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's very fast, very dangerous. <laughs> uh, that's a patron exclusive. You can listen to um, Attention Duelists, my Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast. How about you? Uh, autumnal underscore coffee under, on Twitter. Hmm. Autumnal underscore coffee on Twitter. All the other podcasts at exportodd.io. Um, it was recently brought to my attention that Stairwells is not linked at exportodd.io. So go to exportodd.io slash ornate stairwells to listen to my movie podcast. Or perhaps exportodd.io slash hot singles to listen to my music podcast. Or exportodd.io slash bag end to listen to my Hobbit podcast. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. I couldn't think of. Or I could not think Fellowship of the name. Fellowship of the Ring, right now. I could not think of the name. That is the genuine truth. Is I could not remember the name of the series for a moment. It's one book, actually. It's six books. If you're nasty. <laughs> I feel like one book and six books are both more valid answers than three books. Yeah, it's actually three movies. <laughs> Bye.